Welcome to Beyond Beckdale, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. this season with something that I have a strong affinity for and this is definitely on the specialist side. As you may have already gleaned from the title of this episode I want to use this podcast to talk about other podcasts and not just any type of pod but a very specific type that is growing in number and worldwide popularity. We are living in a golden age of audio content. I heard, in fact I heard this from another podcast called Keep It, that there are 150,000 active podcasts currently available for you to listen to. God knows how you all managed to find this one, but I thank you again so much for listening. As the popularity of podcasting spreads, the subjects that they focus on diversify. We now can access pods on sports games, on self-help, and even on cryptocurrency trading. There is something for every interest. If you can name a subject and there isn't a podcast on it, then maybe you should be making that podcast. Alas, even in this world populated by so many new voices, there are still voices that aren't being heard. This episode is about true crime podcasts. Although, as this is the first specialist subject episode, I should say that this isn't about any kind of true crime pod. The genre in itself has so many subcategories and really worryingly, a huge rich history of murder, rape and tales of corruption to mine ideas from that there are all different types of true crime pod now available for you to listen to. Uh, my special subject is about one of these subcategories of true crime. Now, just a bit about true crime in case you're not sure what it is. Um, it's a non-fiction literary genre in which actual crimes and actions of real people are analysed by hosts, uh, particularly in podcasts, but there's also TV shows. Uh, most true crime content Uh, which can include books and films and TV series, uh, as well as uh, true crime podcasts, is about murder. And Wikipedia puts it at about 40% of true crime content is about serial killers. What fun. When I was researching for this pod, I came across a meme on the subject of true crime podcasts. And that made me think, well, you know, something's really prevalent in pop culture when it has its own meme. 
And this one struck a little bit close to home. I'll post uh, the meme on the website, beyondbeckdale.wordpress.com. And um, it's from an Instagram account called My Therapist Says. But just to describe this, and you may have already seen this um, and get the joke, it's a picture of a very, very white woman. She's very pretty. She has blonde hair, perfect teeth and blue eyes. And she's looking overly excitedly kind of upwards at the camera. And the caption at the bottom of the picture is white women whenever a serial killer documentary comes out which made me laugh and then kind of chastened me for a bit I was like oh god I'm part of a group of people that like who are white women who love serial killer podcasts and we'll get to that and what that means culturally later and the joke is that woman is Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks so it's even more meta I mean It's impossible to discuss true crime podcasts without mentioning the name Sarah Koenig and the dulcet tones of Serial. Serial is not only one of the original true crime pods, it was the series that brought me to this medium in the first place. Koenig was a radio producer and reporter for This American Life. Together with producer Julia Schneider, they created a series which was part wonderful eerie whodunit and part rectification of legal misdoing. And it all started from when Sarah read an email from lawyer Rabia Chowdhury. Chowdhury asked Sarah to look into the potential wrongful conviction of a young man in the murder of his girlfriend 18 years ago. You probably know about Serial if you're listening here, so I won't go over this in too much detail. Haymin Lee was brutally strangled by someone's bare hands when she was 18 years old. Her sometime boyfriend, Adnan Masood Saeed, was found guilty of the murder and is still currently serving his prison sentence. Koenig and the team waded through all of the evidence in relation to the case. Episodes were peppered with their detective work and some explanations that they used were actually used in further court hearings. And in Serial Season 1, Sarah spoke regularly to Adnan from jail, which was something almost unprecedented in podcast format. As a listener, we never quite know whether Saeed is guilty or not, even now. I personally don't believe that he is, but I certainly believe that he didn't get a free trial. Serial not only created breathtaking radio, it profoundly affected Saeed's case. Only recently, the papers have reported that Saeed will be getting a new trial. This is a global colleague prepaid call from... Adnan Saeed. An inmate at the Maryland Correctional Facility. From This American Life and WBEZ Chicago, it's Serial. One story told week by week. I'm Sarah Koenig. For the last year, I've spent every working day trying to figure out where a high school kid was for an hour after school one day in 1999. Or if you want to get technical about it, and apparently I do where a high school kid was for 21 minutes after school one day in 1999. This search sometimes feels undignified on my part. I've had to ask about teenagers' sex lives, where, how often, with whom, about notes they passed in class, about their drug habits, their relationships with their parents, 
And I'm not a detective or a private investigator. I'm not even a crime reporter. But yes, every day this year, I've tried to figure out the alibi of a 17 The Serial Podcast has been downloaded 175 million times. It has won awards for the journalism, and it has also helped lead us all towards audio being the medium for fact-checked, high-quality, entertaining detective stories that give the presenters months, sometimes years, to do their research and create something that is the best that it possibly can be. Koenig and Schneider's work paved the way for future true crime pods. Who wouldn't want to write an historical wrong while also entertaining huge audiences? Post-serial, true crime podcasts began to spring up everywhere. It's something about the podcast format that gives a voice to journalists in a way that fighting for space on newsstands or online cannot. It will come as no surprise that I particularly enjoy the fact that mostly female journalists want to take this forensic approach to the investigation of other possible miscarriages of justice. I found myself listening to more and more of these true crime pods, finding a common theme. The podcasts are often led by and produced by women. Often a pair of female reporters who start with the discussion of a cold case that they've seen in local news coverage or that feels a bit fishy and then they decide to reinvestigate it. It's a sad fact that there seems to be many potential miscarriages of justice that are being carried out and there seems to be another common thread of old white male police forces putting innocent men of colour in prison for crimes they did not commit. It's a further unfortunate and depressing fact of life that men often kill women. Sometimes it's a stereotypical crime of passion. Sometimes it's because a woman was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Often a man can physically harm a woman because women are by and large weaker than men. Although sometimes, in fact, the majority of these cases are about the use of guns in senseless murder. When you look at it like that, making entertaining audio programmes out of true crime can make you feel a bit itchy. It doesn't feel like it's the right medium. It feels maybe exploitative. And that's why, even though there is a proliferation of true crime podcasts out there, the ones I want to focus on are the ones that show that if you handle this genre with care, you can do something which is interesting to listen to, drives audio reach, and also can help people who have been put into prison for crimes they did not commit. Now he just typed, like, as we are speaking, he typed, I hope you're not setting me up. What we got to talk about. Okay, so I'm going to write, hi, Odell. I'm not setting you up. I'm a reporter. We just want to talk to you. This is season two of In the Dark, an investigative podcast by APM Reports. I'm Madeline Barron. This season is about the case of Curtis Flowers, a black man from a small town in Mississippi 
has spent the past 21 years fighting for his life. And a white prosecutor has spent that same time trying just as hard to execute him. Now in its second season, In the Dark is hosted by journalist Madeline Barron. Barron uses pinpoint journalism and evocative audio to reinvestigate two heinous crimes and a possible miscarriage of justice. It's certainly grisly. Season one deals with a famous case in American history of paedophilia and a murdered boy called Jacob Wedderling. It is a really sad case, not only because of what happened to the boys, but that there is a sense throughout that the police force wanted to find someone to pin the blame on just to make the residents feel safer. And there is also a wider issue of a lack of understanding about homosexuality. But it is the second season of In the Dark that I want to talk to. And this focuses on the case of Curtis Flowers. It has really gripped me. In a turn of events that feels like pure fiction, Curtis Flowers has been tried six times for the same crime over a period of 21 years. Throughout, Flowers maintains his innocence. Every time he wins an appeal, the DA, Doug Evans, simply tries the case again. And for all of this time, Flowers has remained on death row, serving a sentence that might not be his to serve. In 1996, four employees of a furniture store called Tardy's in Winona, Mississippi, were gunned down by an unknown assailant. Each person was shot in the head. Over the episodes, Barron and her mostly female team forensically go over the evidence in the case. They walk the routes that the killer may have taken through the back roads of Winona. They also interview leading witnesses, including some federal inmates who have their own reasons to snitch on Curtis, like a negotiation of a lower prison sentence for the crimes they themselves committed. Barron wrote letters to Curtis so she wasn't allowed to see him personally. She interviewed countless witnesses and developed a close relationship with Curtis's parents, as well as looking deep into DA Doug Evans' methods. It is in this detail woven into such a clever narrative that has led In the Dark to winning multiple awards. Links to the website will be put in the show notes to show the photographic evidence that really rounds out the story and makes it hit home. This is real life after all. Baron and her production team have created a true crime podcast that is eye-opening and thrilling, systematically laying out the different avenues of investigation in multiple thoughtful ways, while never titillating the real-life individuals who have unwittingly become the stars of the pod. It is clear that Baron has developed a close relationship with Flower's family, and she does seem to believe that this is also a wider issue. The systematic nature of police organisations in America that are rewarded for putting someone in jail rather than have their detective skills called into question. In the Dark is entertainment, yes, but it is of a quality that intends to do more than simply make us feel better that we're not in Curtis Flower's position. Jimmy Christmas, a girl got killed. everything possible to get him help. It sounds like there's a lot of missing pieces that weren't followed up on. I'm probably one of them. He wasn't letting me out of there until I confessed to it. Sometimes the truth's more important than justice, you know? There are about 191,000 documented cold cases in the United States as we speak right now. Uh, do you think all those parents and all those are going to get fair justice? Hell no. 
I'm Amber Hunt, and this is Accused, the unsolved murder of Elizabeth Andes. In the Dark wasn't actually my first foray into the world of post-serial true crime. I realised that this itself was a genre when I began to listen to Accused. Accused with Amber Hunt and Amanda Rossman is from the Cincinnati Enquirer. Again, not for the squeamish... Accused centres around the murder of Elizabeth Andes, who was stabbed to death 40 years ago. The podcast was first released in 2016. There is something so comforting about the heart and soul that these investigative journalists put into these podcasts. They must wear two hats when trying to solve a crime, that of a reporter and that of a police investigator. Women do seem to be well suited to this work. That's not to say that all women are or that men aren't, but there is a certain type of tenacious female reporter who exists outside of thriller movies. They will turn over every stone to get to the truth. And yes, it is probably easier for these reporters. They can spend years focusing on only one case when the police can't. In some ways, I feel like a stalker. For nearly a year, I've been tracking every waking moment, every conversation, every move of a woman named Elizabeth Wells Andes. I never met her, but I have her picture on my wall and my desktop and my cell phone. I know her face so well that when I flipped through a yearbook and saw an uncaptioned side profile picture of her as a freshman in high school, I recognized her right away. I'd never even seen her profile before, but I had studied her face. My favorite photo of her looks like it was shot in someone's backyard. She is looking at the camera and flashing this engaging smile, the type that makes you smile right back even though you're only looking at a picture. Even though we've never talked, I feel like I know her. I think I would have liked her, which makes all the other photos I have of Beth even harder to look at. Naked, bound, and bruised, Beth was murdered when she was just 23 years old. She was strangled first and then stabbed, 14 punctures in her chest and six more in her neck. On December 28, 1978, Elizabeth Andes was 23 years old and a graduate of Miami University. Bobby Young, her boyfriend at the time, found her body and immediately questioned the nature of her death. Young actually originally confessed to the murder, then immediately recanted, saying that it was the polygraph administrator who had coerced him into making such a statement. Young faced, Young faced a murder trial, but was acquitted by a jury. Again, another case where it looks like the partner of a woman killed her and the police force wanted it all cut and dried. But Amber and Amanda found that there were at least three other acquaintances of Andy's at the time who were never properly investigated and the basis of the accused podcast is making that investigation even if it is 40 years later. The success of women in these true crime podcasts both in investigation and in reportage could also be something to do with how society widely perceives women. They often manage to obtain interviews with witnesses and people who probably wouldn't want to speak to a bunch of burly men in the police force, particularly those more vulnerable witnesses who feel like they aren't being listened to and are just stereotyped. This is kind of a case of a positive stereotype working for these female journalists. And 
the police don't have the luxury of trying out different groups of people, different approaches, keep going back year on year. Some of these cases and podcasts have taken years to be made. I really enjoyed listening to Amber and Amanda discuss the case. They feel like friends, someone that is trying to make their way through the weeds, who doesn't quite understand everything and is willing to painstakingly go through it, talk it out in order to work out where the truth may lie. Accused also has some really good social media sites um, with a focus on cute animals as well as dissecting the case. Their banter and their discussion about other things is a great antidote to dissecting the details of such a grisly crime. And that's something that I haven't really seen with true crime documentaries on TV. These things have an incredibly serious line. And I think that the female journalists behind Accused or In the Dark are taking it incredibly seriously, but at the same time realise the gravity, the stress and strain that investigating heinous crimes takes on people and they want to alleviate it for the listeners, as well as obviously those who have been affected by these crimes. Not only did Amber work diligently to make progress on solving this 40-year-old case, but she did something which made me stop in my tracks. She held a press conference where she took questions from members of the public on what she had discovered in the case. This seemed to be an acknowledgement of the audience's role, not necessarily in a bad way that we want to solve the crime and feel better about ourselves as if it's a puzzle not real people's lives but because accused have become really popular particularly in the Cincinnati community and Amber was clever enough to realize that this was something where the local people could help her it also means that the radio station was put up to scrutiny in a way that investigative journalists often aren't but police task force members are I mean, it's not like a brutal murder during the course of an armed robbery was a routine daily event in this part of the state. This is something that happened very, very infrequently. Adel, Georgia, the seat of Cook County and a town of roughly 5,000 not far from the Florida state line. In 1998, there was a shocking murder there, an employee of the Taco Bell. As she left the store one night, she was ambushed, shot, and left to die in the parking lot. Police investigators quickly put a man in jail for the crime. His name was Devanya Inman. He swore he wasn't responsible. Basically, they was going to get somebody black for killing that lady. They went to the chief and told him, Chief, you got the wrong man. He said, no, we got our man. We, we don't prosecute him. They did prosecute him, and he was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. You know, it's like, it's the most miserable life you can ever possibly go to. I'd rather be dead or a bomb on the street than to be in prison. But then, some 18 months later, a second brutal murder. You see some savagery like that. Somebody that does that is a straight psychopath. And the chance of two different people doing the same kinds of things, I mean, it just seems kind of crazy. And just months after that, two more. I'm Jordan Smith. And I'm Liliana Segura. We're reporters for The Intercept. Between us, we have more than 30 years of experience investigating wrongful convictions. We know how they happen. 
and how putting the wrong person in prison for murder means a killer goes free. Murderville, Georgia, from The Intercept, is another podcast led by female journalists investigating a fascinating and inherently depressing case. I won't go into detail on this case, as I think you understand if you've gotten to this part of the podcast what happens here. But I wanted to specifically call out Liliana Segura and Jordan Smith, who have made the podcast. Their diligent detective work and investigative journalism has directly led to justice being done for an innocent man. Devonia Inman, who was put in prison for a crime he clearly did not commit. There are a lot of true crime podcasts out there now. When I first started listening, which was probably about three years ago, they were fewer and further between and were primarily American. There have now been many more podcasts which serve to dramatise and exploit, for want of a better word, people's pain in terms of um, interviewing people, sensationalising murder and rape and various crimes and putting soundtracks over it, even laughter tracks. And that's really starting to worry me that true crime is crossing the line between journalism and entertainment. Everybody should be entitled to listen to what they want to, but Beyond Beckdale is a podcast about championing the works of women. These are just a few examples of how women are changing the face of investigative journalism and I feel so lucky to be able to listen to these podcasts free of charge and find out and listen to people as they change people's lives. Thanks as always to you for listening to this podcast. Next week we have something that is a little bit lighter. Director and writer Just Jen wants us to take another look at a genre that was really big in the 90s because she thinks there's more to it than meets the eye. It's like the music, the editing, all of this stuff is telling you it's one thing, but actually the dialogue is telling you something completely different. Find out more in the next episode of Beyond Bechdel. Catch you next time.